Oh, praise God. It's good to be together, amen. It's good to be together to worship and to praise, to, to listen to the word, to just enjoy each other's presence. Even the offering's good, isn't it? I want to encourage you, always feel free to borrow your neighbor's wallet and give like you always wanted to. You know, just we're, we're, we're free. People are locking their wallets and purses away now, you know. Everybody doing good? Oh, Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your presence, Lord. Amen. Hey, we're in a series and it's called Tuned In. And we've been taking time over the last few weeks to look at the thought of how we need to be tuned in to God, especially in the days in which we're living. I'm struggling. I'm a little overwhelmed by that worship, tell you the truth. It's like God's doing stuff in this room right now. God is touching lives. Let God do what he's doing. Sometimes you don't know what he's doing until after it's done. Sometimes you feel him present doing things, but you can't perceive what he's doing. God's doing. Don't try and work it out. I've learned over the years just to be a yes man. Yes, God. All right, let's try again. We're in a series, and it's called Tuned In, and we're looking at how we need to be tuned in to God's voice in this hour. Because the bottom line is, it isn't a question, is God speaking? The question is, are we hearing? Are we listening? And sometimes we're not listening because we're tuned in to other things. We've gone over this for the last few weeks. But sometimes we're so tuned in to other voices that we can't hear him clearly. I don't know about you, I've really been enjoying the last couple of weeks deliberately tuning out of other voices, other opinions, even the voice of my soul when it doesn't agree with God. What's the purpose? To end up in silence? No, to hear him. I need to hear him. I need to hear him clearer and and closer than ever before. And as you tune out of other voices and other things, you're able to tune into him. We spent some time looking at the thought that if you want to be somebody that hears God, you're going to need to be a nonconformist. But Romans chapter 12 instructed us that we're not to be conformed to the patterns and the ways of this world when they don't agree with God's ways or kingdom ways for your life. So what do we do when we hear patterns and ways in this life that we're living that don't agree with how God says that you should live, how you should love, how you should give, how you should walk? You tune out of the other voices and you no longer conform to their expectation of who you are. Rather you say, Lord, I turn to your word. Let my life now be renewed and transformed and made something bigger and better than it's ever been before. And then last week we just began to challenge some of our thinking and that if we're going to be a people that turn to God and say, God, we want to hear you. God, we want to read the word and hear you. We want to hear you more in our prayer prayer times, then we've got to get ready for some of the things that we hear to challenge some of the things that we've believed. It's not good enough just to say, God, I want to hear you. If you're not ready to be challenged when he speaks. I don't know about you, boy, I've been walking this road for about 30 years now, and I'm still reading things regularly that challenge what I think about things. But I've learned over those 30 years, I'm wrong, he's right. Isn't it wonderful to have a God that's always right? 
Some of you don't like that, but you should be thankful for it. Because if he could be wrong about one thing, he could be wrong about anything. God's never wrong. God's always right. God's ways are always perfect. We're living lives where we're saying, yes, Lord, when you speak, when I hear you. Remember, it's our portion to hear him. Jesus said, his sheep hear his voice. And he doesn't speak to us as servants any longer, but he speaks to us as friends. When we hear him, it challenges, or it should do, it should challenge areas of your life. Because God's causing this supernatural renewal and transformation of who you are. And we finished last week looking at the thought that if we want to hear God, if that's our genuine prayer, God, I want to hear you more and I want to hear you clearer. We've got to be prepared to be living lives that are living in the Word. Because it's the Word of God that causes our lives to be transformed by the renewing and the washing of His thoughts. Now, I want to look today and continue our journey today looking at how important the renewal of our mind is. Your mind, um, I'm speaking of your mind in the aspect of being your thought life. It's vitally important to be removing old data that came from the previous owner and allowing the data or the thoughts of the new owner of your life who bought you with the blood of his only son to be reprogramming. We looked at it last week, brainwashing if you want to call it that, scrubbing your brains and bringing new thinking to your life so that your life can go in a new direction. Because here's the truth that I want to look at today. You know, as we move forward to hear his voice, it changes the direction of our life. Because thoughts will determine destinations. Sometimes we think thoughts are these silly little things that don't really count. No, 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 my friend. You don't understand how powerful thoughts are. Thoughts have the ability to determine the next in your life and the destination that your life heads towards. Now, here's my key thought. We will all move in the direction of our dominant thought. Whether you do that consciously or unconsciously, come on, life has proven this true. You will always, knowingly, unknowingly, consciously, unconsciously, move in the direction of your dominant thoughts. Whatever thoughts are dominant in your thinking will determine the direction of your life, how you raise your children, how you live out your marriage, how you handle your finances, whether you walk into addiction or walk away from addiction. You see, thoughts determine where we go and where we arrive. The thoughts that we permit and celebrate in our life can determine our direction and our next. You know, when we work with people that had addiction, I was a man that battled addiction. And I couldn't walk near an off-license because any time I went near alcohol, my thought was, I need it. And it's amazing looking back on my life and when I've spent times talking to people that have experienced addiction. They wake up with a thought, I want to drink. 
And that thought has the power to cause them to get dressed, leave the house, and end up somewhere that sells alcohol. Now, don't think you're not exempt. You've done it with McDonald's. Some of you have done it on a Friday night with a good chicken tikka masala. It didn't just arrive. Deliveroo doesn't work that way. You sat there and you had a thought. The thought remained and became a dominant thought. I really need a curry. It wasn't casual anymore. You'd enter into a relationship with the thought. The thought then took you on a pathway of contacting somewhere that supplies curry. Because we could look at addiction, but no, 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 this affects us all. Maybe it's fish and chips. Maybe it's a good kebab. Who likes a good kebab? By the end of today, some of you will eat one because I gave you the thought. I've prophesied the future of some people here today. And all I did was give you a thought because a thought has the power to set you on a direction or a route where you arrive somewhere. And that's positive and negative. You know, it's good when you have a thought, I'm going to go to the gym, but you've got to do something about it. But if you let that thought take you on a journey, you can actually end up somewhere that you needed to be. I'm speaking of personal experience. Now, this is a principle that we see in Proverbs 23. It says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks, so he will be. As a man thinks, so is he. If a man's dominant thought is drug or alcohol, that thought will lead them to the experience. If a person's thought is curry, the principle carries across. That thought, if it's allowed to become dominant, will lead a person to take hold of what they thought about taking hold of. That's why when we look at things like addiction, we need to bring people to a place of renewal of their mind so that they can walk past alcohol and it has no effect on them. Why? Because they now are in control of the thoughts that once ruined them. Because now their thoughts are inspired by God. Now it says in Proverbs 23, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he or so he will be. It's also the same in Colossians 3. It encourages us now to tune in our mind to things above. When we realise how powerful a thought can be, then we begin to take thoughts more seriously. Now every thought starts small like a seed, doesn't it? Almost unseen. You have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of thoughts every day, each and every one of us, that are inspired by thousands and thousands and thousands of things. They're inspired by God, they're inspired by Netflix, they're inspired by something you heard on the radio, they're inspired by something you overheard or something you once experienced. Thoughts, there's thousands of thoughts that come each day, but we should never underestimate the power of a thought, that when it becomes a dominant thought in our life, it has the power to set us on course to a destination we may want to go to, or sadly we may not want to go to. We need to be careful when it comes to thoughts and allow God's thoughts to become our thoughts so that God's thoughts can determine the destination of our health, our marriage, our finances, the success of who we are. We need to have minds that now say, Lord, let your thoughts be my thoughts. Now, when I look at my life personally, my greatest victories in life and my worst sins and failures 
all started with a thought. My greatest victories all started with a thought. Let me do this. But my greatest sins and failings, looking back, started with a thought. I want to do this. Or put more childlike, me want it. Me want it. And me want it took me somewhere that was not good for me. But also, when it was a God thought, I was able to get my hands busy and build something that was a victory in my life. A couple of examples. <clears throat> my marriage. We've been married a few years now, me and Gina. We've got five beautiful kids. I love my marriage. I love my children. I love that we've been through good times together. And we've also faced attacks on our life together. Uh, our marriage keeps getting better and better. And I look around at our marriage now. We've got grown kids in America. One's got married. One's getting married. We've got three kids. Gabby's one of my daughters. And I look around and I think, where did all this begin? I thought. I fancy her. <laughs> In good Portsmouth technology. And that thought, I fancy her, made me just stalk her. In a, she'll tell you it was scary. I just started, I was living in New York and I just started appearing in places. Because my dominant thought was determining my direction. And then I had another thought I'm going to marry her. And I remember the second time I met Gina, now don't do this at home, kids. The second time I met Gina, I sat next to her on a bench and I said, I'm going to marry you in one year. And she looked at me like you're looking at me. What's wrong with you? But one year later to the day we were married. A thought is a powerful thing. Let's look at some other thoughts. Soul winner boot camp that some of you need to sign up for. Soul winner is an incredible initiative where we're mobilizing people to lead others to Christ successfully. And I had a thought, let me write a book about it. So I wrote the book Soul Winner. Now we're running these boot camps where we're training people to teach them how to win others. To... A thought. Here's a good thought. 24 years ago, um, 25 next year, I was driving down the road. It was the M27, and I was on my way to Southampton. Don't boo. I was on my way to Southampton, and I was in a white Cavalier, Gina was next to me, um, Olivia was in the back of the car, she was about three months old, and I had a thought driving down the road. I was an evangelist, I was happy being an evangelist, I was preaching the gospel, going to the nations, and I was driving a white cavalier down the M27, and all of a sudden I had this thought, you need to open a church in Portsmouth. I could have shut the window, I could have got the thought and flicked it out, but I let the thought land. And I let it germinate. Today we look around at congregations all over the place. Works in Moldova helping orphans. Looking at what we're doing in the Philippines. Looking at what we're doing in Africa. And today there's people meeting in villages and towns all over the south of England. Where did it happen? A God thought that landed in a heart that was fertile. And a heart that allowed it to germinate. You need to not underestimate your thoughts now, like I said, there's many thoughts around us at any given moment. If you were to see radio waves, you would suddenly believe in them. But the reality is you already do because when you turn on your radio, you expect to hear something. Why? Because you can't see radio waves right now, but they're all around you like microwaves. So are thoughts. Now, here's, here's a good thought. 
you can't stop certain thoughts flying around your head. They're like birds. But you can stop them making a nest in your hair. You can't stop some thoughts if you're watching TV or you're watching the news or you're over. You can't stop every thought. But you can begin to control what thoughts you allow to land in the fertile soil of your thinking. Because thoughts have the ability to lead a person to total victory, but also, I've seen it, to total destruction. I've seen marriages destroyed because somebody couldn't deal with a thought. I've seen families ruined because people couldn't manage a thought. But wait a moment, a thought's a little thing, isn't it, that's insignificant? No, thoughts determine destinations. That's why the renewing of our mind with God's thoughts isn't an optional extra. It's a daily necessity. Bible's full of examples. Stay with me. I'll give you a couple of headliners. Here's five examples that I grabbed. So many. Gideon was a man hiding in a wine press because his identity had been shaped by the thoughts of others. God steps into the wine press and says, Gideon, stop thinking you're a coward, you're a mighty warrior. Gideon allowed that thought to become his true thought. And two pages later, you see Gideon leading an army outnumbered over a hill, bringing Israel to victory. Where did the identity change when he stopped thinking one way and started agreeing with God's thoughts? King David's a great example. You get many, many examples of King David where he would hear God say, go into battle. And King David would say, I don't care if we're outnumbered. God said, we're going into battle and we're going to win. Let's do this. And you read pages and pages and pages of King David doing incredible exploits for God because of a thought. But then I'm so thankful for David's vulnerability. Should I call him King David's vulnerability? Because it also displays to us how even a king can be led somewhere he shouldn't have gone because of a wrong thought uncontrolled. You know the, one I'm, you know the thought I'm talking about, right? It wasn't Bathsheba's fault. It was David's thinking that was wrong. And it says one day when the king should have been away at war, it was springtime. David shouldn't have been on that roof. He should have been away fighting with his men. But he was walking around the roof one day and he's having a stretch, he's having a pray and he looks over the edge of a building and he sees what I would call a UFO, an undressed feminine object, right? <laughs> Wearing nothing, washing and uh, he, he stayed longer and a thought that was just something that shouldn't remain began to grow. The child arose, me one. And he started to move in the direction of that thought that was now dominant. That thought brought him into adultery, the death of a child, and the death of an innocent man that was the husband of that woman called Uriah. He had this man killed by sending him to the front of a battle. Where did it all go wrong? Stinking thinking. Ungoverned thoughts. Thoughts of the power to bring you into great victories, but also into great ruin. Zacchaeus. When he met Jesus, he came into the presence of God. 
Jesus' thoughts became his thoughts. Suddenly a crook and a thief who was a tax man and a money lender stood up and said, I'm not going to steal from people anymore. I'm going to give back everything that I've stolen. Jesus hadn't preached to him. He was in the presence of God and God's thoughts began to affect him. And suddenly, you don't see Jesus preach. It doesn't say and Jesus stood up and said, Zacchaeus, get your game sorted. It just, we just see Jesus sitting there eating a chicken drumstick or something. He's at his house eating. But being in the presence of God will affect your thoughts. Being around Jesus will affect your thoughts. Oh, you can have thoughts all worked out about what you're going to do to people and what they deserve and the penance they need to pay for what they once did. Then you're in his presence and it's ruined. Your thoughts. The woman with the issue of blood, she would have died at home. She would have died of bleeding to death. But she had a thought. And that thought positioned her at the feet of Jesus. But she didn't magically appear. She had a thought. No one can help me. He can. I don't care if they're going to beat me. I don't care if they're going to mock me. I don't care if those men are going to try and stand in the way. Here's my thought. I'm going to touch for him about garment. She got a miracle. How many times do you read with the disciples that they went there because the Holy Spirit gave them a thought? They went here to Macedonia, to different places. When you read through the New Testament, you see an early church, people just like you and me, hearing God, hearing the Holy Spirit say go, and they went, and God did incredible things. So many examples. Now, when it comes to wrong thoughts, we need to know how to take them captive and bring them now into obedience to what God says. Now, this isn't difficult. But it takes a choice. Do I still want to keep going in the directions, even though those directions are causing ruin to me and ruin to others? Or do I want to, like Gideon, respond to a different thought and now see my life become everything it could be according to the will of God? It's our choice. Listen to what Corinthians says about this. For we live in the world. There's thoughts going everywhere. The key is not to let them land or make a nest in your hair. We do not wage war as the world does. We don't deal with things in worldly ways all the time. But the weapons of our fight are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What's a stronghold? Watch me. It's a stronghold. It's when something has a stronghold. Unforgiveness. Not forgiving someone for what they did wrong. Oh, you will forgive them when you do something wrong and you need forgiveness. Unforget, stronghold. Addiction, stronghold. But we see that the Bible says to us that the way that God causes us to live has the power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against what God says is true or the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive. We take captive every thought to make it obedient, bow the knee to Jesus Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience, every disobedient thought, once we see his obedience, the completeness of his obedience. 
Where does this happen outside of you? No, it happens in you. It's your decision. A thought comes and you say, that's not a God thought. So what do I do? I don't let it remain. I pull it down and I make it subject and a prisoner to what God says about that. That's all Gideon did. When Gideon left the wine press and he still felt like a coward, he said, I take that thought of being a coward and I pull it down. I break the stronghold of that thought and I bring it under obedience to what God has said I am. And then he walked in the victory. Pastor, will you do it? No, I can't. Because I don't live with you every day. That would be scary and cultish. You wouldn't want it, and neither do I. God wants us to realize he's given us with the Holy Spirit the potential to say no and now bring down thoughts that are set on destroying us. I like what the Passion Translation says. It says, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Now that's why we do this on a daily basis. We don't do it on Sunday mornings or Wednesday night if you're in a connect group. We, we do this as a part of our lifestyle. We become conscious of thoughts that are coming from him, but also conscious of thoughts that are not of him. And when a thought's not of him, and it has the power to direct our life, we take that thought, we bring it down, and we make it a prisoner of war to the anointed one. Now God's word should be the standard of what's him and what's not. I love it that it says the word of God is like a two-edged sword. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. We know that. But it says in Hebrews 4 verse 12, the word of God is alive, active, full of potential. It's sharper than any double-edged sword that man can make. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. The word of God judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart of man. So how do we know where a thought's coming from? As I've said, you live in a world where you're surrounded by thoughts, like radio waves, they're everywhere. How do you know which thoughts are coming from God, which thoughts are good, and which thoughts are not good? Which are your thoughts, the thoughts of your soul, the thoughts of your own insecurity, the thoughts of your own appetites that are not yet kingdom appetites? How do we know? The Word of God. We bring every thought when we're not in conviction that it's a God thought to the Word of God because the Word of God exposes things for what they are and what they're not. The Word of God makes things that are cloudy clear. Remember David's in that moment where he's cheated with another man's wife, Uriah's, you know, he's sent, and all of a sudden, what does God do to deal with David? Because David's in deception. He's a king, and no one can question him. He's King David. But God says, no, no, David's not walking in my plan for his life. So what does God do? He sends a prophet. What does a prophet do? Carry the word of God. Nathan steps into his life and says, David, let me tell you a story. What if a man had one sheep, yet another 
other man had so many sheep, but the man that had many sheep took the sheep of the man who had one. David said, that's outrageous. I would kill him. Suddenly the prophet says, that's what you've done with another man's wife. David instantly sees things for what they are, runs to the temple and says, forgive me, God. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. What made him think differently when the word of God came like a two-edged sword and cut through the fogginess of deception, delusion and and, and deceiving yourself. We need to be living in the word of God in these days, guys. Letting the word of God tell us what's true and what's not. Not Sky News, not BBC at 12 o'clock. The Word of God defines what is good and what is bad. What's from heaven and what's from hell. It defines the origin of a thought. And when we can govern the origin of a thought and know the thoughts of God, we can begin to soar like eagles, like God intends. Let me bring this in for a landing. How do we... How do we set a true direction or course for our life then? I love what Proverbs 3 verses 5 to 7 says. Here it comes. You ready? Here's the remedy. Here's your medicine. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding or thinking influenced in your formative years by peers and parents, teachers. Some was good, some was bad. Do not lean any longer to your own understanding In all of your ways, not some of your ways, not when you feel like it. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will then direct your paths and give you straight paths instead of crooked paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Rather, fear the Lord and get away from evil. How do we walk straight paths when we've known wonky paths? We begin to more than ever acknowledge the voice of God in every area of our lives, our finances, in our health, in our marriage, in how we forgive, in how we bless. We begin to say, God, I want to know what you think about this. The word acknowledge, it's an interesting word. It's a Hebrew word that says yada or yorda, yorda. And the word yorda means to acknowledge. This is what the Bible means when it says acknowledge God in all of your ways. Know, learn to know, perceive, discern, discriminate, distinguish, consider, be acquainted with, and have great knowledge of. So when the Bible says, acknowledge God in all your ways, it's saying, know, discover, distinguish, find out what God thinks about that area of your life, and then let him bring you to transformation by setting the direction of your life in his direction. Here's a good tip. Put a thought, a filter on your thought life. You know, it actually says in the book of Philippians that there's a filter that we can use in our thought life. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, listen, think about such things. So whatever's pure, good, admirable, praiseworthy, good, holy, nice. Think, set your thinker to think on these things. Which may mean, this is someone going to hate me for this, you may need to turn off something you're watching on Netflix. Yep, some people didn't like that one. Because what you're watching isn't good, kind, pure, 
This is a big revelation. Some of you are not able to handle this. All right. The red button at the top of a handset turns the TV off. Oh yeah, I went there. I went there. Because sometimes we sit there powerless, don't we? Like, I know I shouldn't be watching this, but I just can't help. Will somebody help me? Use your thumb. Use your thumb. Go put a Disney movie on or something. Do whatever you need to do. But get away from that source of thinking that's going to sow a thought in you, that's going to take you on a direction that you and your marriage and your family do not need you to go on. Let's have filters in our life. Whatever's good, pure. Boy, I don't know about you, when I watch something that's not on that list, the Holy Spirit goes off in me like a radar gun. Turn it, all right, all right, all right. Let's not harden our hearing to his voice, but say, Lord, we want to hear you. We want to hear you. Okay, here's my closing thoughts, all right? I've written down so it wouldn't take too long. Number one, that our thoughts are not silly little things that do not matter. Rather, they are direction setters in our life for us and our family. They are powerful things that contain the ability to bring you to a place of great success or a place of ruin and destruction. Number two, our thought life is a key arena in our life, not a secondary, not meaningful one. It's a key arena in our lives where directions and future are set, victories established, or defeats conceded. It all happens before we've applied action. Let's begin to win in our minds, guys, so that we don't have to try and win later in our actions. And here's my final thought. It's a good one. God is always speaking. God is always speaking. For those who are listening... God is always speaking. In his word, he's always speaking. But also in that still quiet place when you're spending time in prayer, God is always speaking. Let's be a people that are deliberately tuning in to his voice. That our thoughts are being inspired by his thoughts. That we're ever hearing, but then choosing put into action like James says we don't just hear then we do and isn't it amazing that we apply that principle for sinful things we think we hear we think and then we do but yet when you're teaching people to live a godly way it's the same system we hear we think and then we do we become doers of the word and walk into miracle zones I'm going to carry this on and finish it next week. And I'm going to start to talk about next week how to recognize the voice of God. We're going to have a real just normal chat next week about how do you recognize the voice of God. With all the voices around us, how do you say, that's the voice of God? Yet the word of God defines what's the voice of God and what's not. But actually, I want you to see next week, we're all hearing him. A lot more than what we've ever thought. But what we've got to begin to do is recognize that's him speaking. Because his sheep hear his voice.
Amen. Let me just pray for you. If there's anyone here today, and uh, maybe it's your first time with us, or you don't know whether you're a Christian or not, and I don't know, you're sitting there going, I don't know if I belong to God or not, or I'm a Christian. Wouldn't you like to know? Wouldn't you like to leave today with 100% assurance that if your life was required from you, you would be present with God for all eternity? No question marks. Wouldn't you like to know today that every sin that's been a part of your life, connected, is forgiven? Wouldn't you like to know today the feeling of God supernaturally giving you a brand new life? Taking your old one, chucking it away, giving you a brand new one. Wouldn't you love the feeling of now your life going in great directions? When, I don't know, maybe your life was like mine before I met Jesus. Terrible directions. I pretty much had the opposite to the Midas touch. Everything I touched turned to dung. Dung is a very polite word. But when I met Jesus, suddenly everything began to change. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you've been away from Jesus, and you want a relationship, you don't want religion, you want a relationship with him, We're all going to pray a prayer together, everyone in the building. And I want you to pray this from your heart if this is you. Let's all pray this together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you provided salvation in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross so I could be saved. And you made it a matter of faith. I choose to believe in you, Jesus, that you are the Son of God and that you died on the cross for my sins also. Be my Saviour. Be my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me a brand new beginning today. Amen. Just my every eyes closed, every head's bowed. If you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer, or you feel that you've been away from God and you need to recommit your life to God, I want to ask you to do one thing for me. Very simple, yet very courageous. I know it'll take an element of boldness, but I can promise you it'll be so worth it. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. Just to say, I've prayed that prayer for me today. One, two, three. Is there anyone today and you say, that's me, Andy? Anybody? And you want to give your life to Jesus today? God bless you. I see that hand there. That's amazing. Thank you. Great courage. Is there a second person and you just say, yeah, I want to start a journey with Jesus today? Anybody else? You can come back and do it next week. There's no pressure. But we just want to make an opportunity if you say, no, I need to do this now. Father, I thank you for this young man. I thank you that today, everything in his world will begin to change. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have you had a good morning?
good. Let's be listening this week. Hey, don't forget on Monday morning, that's tomorrow morning at 10.30, Pastor Gina does a Bible study on Facebook. And uh, you can watch that live or do catch up. Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, we have Talking Church. That's me and Pastor Gina just talking about church and stuff. It's, it's fun to watch. And then you've got Connect Groups during the week and uh, loads of good stuff going on. If you want to get on team and start helping us to serve in church, just come and speak to Stuart or one of the team leaders. And uh, we'd love that also. God bless. Have an amazing weekend.